Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Well, another return engagement for RJ Laverne. He's the manager of education and training at the Davy Tree Expert Company, located at the main campus, Kent, Ohio, but probably recorded from home today is going to be my guest, RJ. Uh, you got that right. I am in the the comfortable confines of the spare bedroom upstairs <laughs> with cats wandering around and right. I've got guy. I've got guys working on the house today. And so we set this up so they could, they'd be at lunch and they just left for lunch. So no saws, no <laughs> pounding. And today we're talking all about Christmas trees. We're, we're, we're early for our Christmas trees because I wanted to ask you first about using a live tree, one, a bald and burlap tree as a Christmas tree. Is, is that something we can do? And is it something that you advise? Well, the short answer to your first question is, is yes, it is something we can do. Uh, the better answer to your second question is, well, maybe, maybe not. And, and it's probably a good, good thing to think this through. So, so if, if you were going to a nursery, for example, to buy a, a bald and burlapped um, six-foot-tall pine tree, to, to plant in your yard. And, and let's say that the, the diameter of the trunk uh, at the bottom of the trunk on that pine tree was, was four inches, okay? If we, we were really serious about picking out a good tree and, and expecting it to survive, we would want the root ball on that tree, on that four inch diameter tree to be at least at least, if I'm looking at my table correctly, 42 inches wide, three and a half feet wide on root ball, which is probably going to be, you know, at least uh, 12, 14 inches deep. If you select a, a tree of that size with a smaller root ball, um, that means that uh, a much higher percentage of the root mass has been cut off at the time the tree was dug. So that tree is going to have um, a more difficult time surviving once indeed you do plant it. So assuming that you, you select your six, seven foot tall Christmas tree with a four inch diameter trunk, and you have a three and a half foot wide root ball, you're going to need several burly men and a child or two, <laughs> um, and perhaps a pony to lift that up and move it and and get it into your into your living room or wherever you happen to keep it. So so there's a couple of tricks there. Number one is that the root ball is going to be very heavy, and number two, the tendency is at least for me when I'm getting my Christmas tree in through the front door is you grab a hold of the trunk and you give it a good yank right? Well, when you do that, you're going to do damage 
to the circulatory system of the tree that's right underneath the trunk. So if you do have a live tree with a root ball, the proper way to move it is to pick it up by the root ball and not by the trunk. So you're going to have to pick it up by the root ball and manage to carry that root ball through your door, you know, and, and tip the root ball in order to get the tree in. So it's going to be an exercise in physics and, uh, you know, and muscle hood. It can be done. Now, the bigger challenge, well, not so much, but another challenge is that once you get inside the house, um, that tree is going to get nice and cozy by the fireplace as your chestnuts are roasting. <laughs> and it's going to think, hmm, spring's arrived early this year. As the roots warm up, as the, the shoots and the buds warm up, um, in a matter of, of a few days to a week, that tree is going to start um, waking itself up out of dormancy. And, uh, and it will want to uh, swell those new buds and start pushing out new foliage. And then um, when the Christmas season has passed, you'll then once again be forced to uh, navigate that huge root ball out the door and outside. Well, unless you do that within a week or so after you get it in, um, and the tree starts to acclimate to the warmer weather on the interior of your house. Uh, unless you get it back outside before it starts getting ready to, to greet spring, when you take it back out into the winter cold, those new buds that are about to swell and put out new foliage are going to freeze. And that new foliage will, will die. So you've, you've kind of woken up the tree in the middle of the night, so to speak, and, and dragged it outside in its, uh, in its, in its nightgown <laughs> and left it there to freeze. So, um, so number one, if you're going to use a live tree with a, a root ball, make sure that you get um, either a small tree with a relatively small root ball that's appropriately sized or a bigger tree with a, a bigger root ball. And then once you get it in the house, make sure that you get it back out of your house uh, in, in probably a week or less so that it, it doesn't start warming up. Otherwise, when you take it back out, it's not going to be happy. So that's a rather long answer to your second question. Well, I'm, I'm just getting the idea that, you know, people ask me this because they think that it's an environmentally better thing to do to to get this live tree or or they have it's the first christmas and they want to have this tree planted you know but planting a tree in the east at least in december you know that's why we're talking about it now you'd have to dig a hole now but could you talk to, to about getting a cut tree and and looking at it as really more of a sustainable crop right we're growing this tree like we would grow corn for this purpose. And so it's okay. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is it okay just for us to get a cut tree? Cause it sounds, it sounds so much easier. <laughs> it sounds so much easier. Yes. And, and, and let me add that, um, you know, if you do have the tree with the root ball, once you get it outside, you can't just prop it up against your garage and, and wait until spring, you're going to have to cover up that root ball with mulch 
Um, you know, after wetting it down, you're gonna, going to want to make sure the root ball doesn't dry out and, uh, and doesn't freeze. So, so getting on to whether it's a good idea to harvest a living tree, to cut it down and, and then take it in, use it for a short amount of time and then discard it. So I, I put this question to my, my local um, Christmas tree nursery grower. Uh, a great local family that's been in the business for a long time. And for some number of years, um, they did sell, they, they would dig up some of their Christmas trees with an appropriate size root ball. And they did sell those. Um, and um, the message that they got back from, from many of their clients that purchased those trees was, well, you know, why did my tree die? You sold me uh, a, uh, a tree and I, then I planted it and, and it died. Well, it died because of all the reasons that, that we've spoken of. So the local nursery has, has no longer uh, offered that, uh, that option. And they simply sell um, cut trees. You can go and cut your own. That's what we do. We've done for the last 25 years. So the reality of this is, is that in the Christmas tree uh, industry, these um, nursery professionals are, are planting a crop that is intended to be harvested in a short amount of time. So just as you, as you plant your carrots in, in deep rows in your garden and you expect to harvest them some months later, um, and in a similar fashion, when we plant pine trees or spruce trees in a, in a, a plantation, for the purpose of growing large trees and then harvesting them to make paper. Um, Christmas trees are somewhere in between. You know, we're gonna, not gonna harvest them the same season, but within eight or 10 or 12 years, we're, we're intending to harvest those. If those trees do not get cut and sold, there's a, a relatively small window of two or three years where they're going to be the appropriate size that they're marketable. And then they're going to grow to be bigger than what most people want. And eventually those trees um, will be cut down, never having been used as a Christmas tree in order to make way for the next crop of, of trees that will get planted in the field. So, so whether you're cutting the tree and using it as it was intended as a Christmas tree, or whether you're not cutting the tree, and, and that tree uh, never gets harvested for use as a Christmas tree. It's going to be cut down before it reaches its, its full maturity. And that's just, just the way of, of growing these, these particular crops. So, um, you know, the good news is that for the, for the decade or so that the, the Christmas trees are growing, they're providing oxygen to us. They're absorbing carbon and holding it in their, uh, in their wood. And then um, when we harvest them, we get to enjoy them uh, as a, a tree in our homes uh, for the Christmas season. And, um, and then you can, you can take those trees, don't take it to the landfill, but take it to a place where you can grind those trees and use them for mulch uh, in, in, your, uh, in your garden. So, um, I'm all in favor of supporting the nursery industry and the Christmas tree industry and, and, uh, and cutting a live tree each year. 
Yeah. And in my case, you know, living in the woods, what I do with my tree is, of course, certainly take off anything that's on there, tinsel, that sort of thing. And I just make it habitat for usually the bunnies. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to keep them away from the garden, but if I give them, a, I still have to give them a nice spot to spend the winter. So uh, that's another way to use that Christmas tree. You know, when we do bring that cut tree in, do you have some tips to keep it as fresh as possible for as long as possible? And how long, how long should we expect that tree to last in, indoors? Sure. Well, the, the answer to the first part of the question is, is easy. Uh, it's a four-part um, process. The first part is to, to water it every day. Uh, the second part is to water it the next day. And the third part is to water it the next day. And the fourth part is to water it for every day that follows. Okay, that's the, the easiest way to keep your tree looking green and keep it without you know, dropping the needles. Water it, water it, and and water it. If you are buying a a tree from a a lot that perhaps was cut, you know, some time ago and bundled up and transported, and uh, and and then you're picking up from the lot. Maybe it, it's been cut for a week, two weeks, a month. Um, you know, growing up in Detroit, my my dad on the way home from the auto factory would stop at a local lot and pick out a, a Scotch pine tree every year. Well, those trees have been have been cut for some period of time, and the base of their trunk has now sealed off with with sap. And so, even if you water that tree every day, um, it no longer has the capacity to to soak up the water. So, if you're buying the tree from a lot, um, take a sharp saw and cut off the bottom two or three inches of the trunk, and open up. Uh, a fresh cut so that the the vessels that take up the water are now open and free of of sap. If you're cutting a a tree uh, at the local nursery, at the Christmas tree farm, you're you're out there doing it yourself. Um, Usually what I do is uh, within two hours of the time that we cut the tree, um, it's in a stand um, and has, has water in the stand. The quicker that you can get your fresh cut tree into the stand um, with water, the better it will be, and then and then keep it it well watered. And you'll you'll recognize that uh, a freshly cut tree will drink a lot, um, especially after it's been in the house for a while and it's warmed up. Uh, it's going to take up a lot of water. Now, the second part of the question was, you know, how long can we expect to keep a tree? before the needles start to fall off. And, and much of that is dependent on the species of the tree that you select. If, for example, you select a, uh, a Colorado blue spruce, those needles will probably stay on uh, a good long time. Now, you're gonna go through a lot of Band-Aids because when you, you know, put the decorations on that blue spruce, those really prickly uh, needles are going to, you know, chew up your arms a good bump. Um, to, to get a nice kind of bluish color, we, we got a, um, a con color fur, otherwise known as white fur, uh, a couple of years ago, much, much softer needles, uh, kind of a rubbery texture, but that, that bluish glow to it, really a beautiful tree. But 
within probably 10 days of the time that we had it in the house, even with constant watering, watering the needles started to, to shed pretty quickly. So what, what I find is a really good choice is something like a Fraser fur or a Canon uh, fur, um, a balsam fur. Uh, they all have relatively soft uh, needles um, and they will hold on to those needles if you keep them watered for, you know, in our case, we keep the tree in the house for, you know, four or five weeks. Wow. And, uh, and, and they, they tend to hold up pretty good. Uh, Eastern white pine is another one that I've had really good success with. Um, they'll hold on to their needles, even if they start to dry off. Uh, you know, if you shake the tree, it's going to look like the Charlie Brown tree. But uh, as long as it's in place, it, it'll keep those needles. So choose wisely. Yeah, I, you know, I've heard of the, you know, I think a growing popularity for Fraser fir, but also... Is it pronounced Canon fir or Canan fir? So that's an interesting story because it, it's spelled C-A-N-A-A-N. And, um, you know, the biblical term is Canaan, right? Um, and, and this fir is actually a, um, a variety of balsam fir. So it's a, a subspecies, if you will, of balsam fir. Now the story goes, and see, I asked this of the Christmas tree grow. How do you pronounce this this word? So a, a a gentleman came over from Germany, I think it was, and settled in in Pennsylvania, and um, he named the town after the biblical place of Canaan. But the locals that started to live in the town did not pronounce it. Canaan, they pronounced it as Canaan or uh, Canaan, something like that, a different emphasis on the syllables, right? And so since that is where that tree grows, uh, that's where its geographic region is in Northern Virginia, Southern Pennsylvania, um, that's where the common name of uh, Canaan fir comes from. But its origin goes back to Canaan, the the biblical palace in the holy land well not only did i get schooled about uh <laughs> live trees cut trees but now naming trees too sure yeah you know, be, before we go rj i, I want to know a little bit about your job uh that sounds interesting i have the most interesting job in the world in my humble opinion um so as education, as manager of education and training, uh, I am responsible for, for um, keeping our 11,000 plus employees um, educated and trained so that they can do their jobs, number one, more safely, and number two, more efficiently. And, um, and that takes me all over, all over North America. Um, one of the biggest programs, uh, most important programs that I teach is called Factors and Forces. And it's a, a program uh, for our field crews um, so that they can recognize structural weaknesses and, and defects in trees before a climber ascends the tree. As you can imagine, climbing trees, especially when you're, when you're carrying chainsaws and, 
and operating that type of power equipment way up at the top of a tree, it can be pretty dangerous. So that's one of the programs I teach that hopefully will, will result in safer work practices. And then as an example of a really fun project, um, every day this week, except today, uh, I've been inspecting trees at the Akron Zoo hmm. and, uh, and helping the uh, Akron Zoo um, identify trees that have some, some problems, broken branches, decay, that they can take care of so that the trees are not falling on the animals or even more seriously, the, the visitors to the zoo. Um, it's all good. Every day I wake up and uh, uh, thank for, I'm thankful for all the blessings that I have in, uh, in my professional life, uh, as well as uh, life in general. It's all good. Well, I couldn't think of a better place to end this interview. That's good stuff. One real quick question, though. I think you, I think you might have answered it already, though. Are you buying the tree off the lot, or you're just you're, are you going to that farm and cutting it yourself? Yeah, so we have a, a really nice Christmas tree farm that's just down the road from us. And uh, every year we've been taking our kids there, and now we're taking the kids and, the, and their kids there. And, uh, and it's, it's more than just going and cutting a tree. It's, it's a family gathering. It's a day that we look forward to every year. We don't cut the first tree that we come to. We can't because with, you know, eight people in our family going there, everyone wants a different tree and we have to negotiate and go back and forth up and down the rows. So we might be there for, you know, an hour or more if the weather is pleasant, five minutes to seven minutes if the weather is, is not. <laughs> and, uh, and we just make uh, a, a, a great holiday tradition of uh, selecting and bringing home the tree. RJ, that's great. It was so great to talk to you again. And I, I know that uh, as the podcast progresses, we'll be talking again. Thanks so much for your time. It's always a pleasure to, uh, to be with you and, uh, and talk trees. And to those of you that are listening, I, I wish you the, uh, the greatest of blessings for the holiday season and however you, you uh, choose to celebrate that. Thanks again. You bet. Talk to you soon. What wonderful holiday sentiments from RJ, nicely put for sure. Now tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am hosting the show. Next week, we'll talk all about the reasons we're thankful for trees, and there certainly are many. As always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.